Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the fate for jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, a pianist, and two-time Grammy winner from Sao Paulo, Brazil, Iliani Illis. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, we have a legend in the Brazilian and Latin jazz world. And ma'am, could you please introduce yourself for the people? Yes. Uh, my name is Eliane Elias, and I am a Brazilian pianist, singer, composer, arranger. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, talking a bit with you, Leandro. Uh, I'm looking forward towards it also. And ma'am, like I said before, congratulations on the nomination for your latest album, Mirror, Mirror. Well, thank you. Having a, a Grammy nomination is always an honor. And uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So tell me how you got Chick Fear on this and how you got Mr. Valdez on this album. Uh, well, uh, Chick Corea and I, starting from more recent events, you know, we, we know each other for many, many years. For, for We knew each other for more than 40 years and always wanted to play together. And... Uh, we saw the same thing with Chucho. I mean, I, we saw each other on the, on the road often, you know, on festivals and bumped into each other and, and playing the same venues and, and uh, always talked about doing something together, playing together. And the opportunity came, the schedules worked that uh, we made a date to record. So this is how it happened with Chick first. We went in and recorded um, about 20 minutes of music in New York, and uh, and then I was with that uh, material that could be completed, you know, by playing whatever else I would like to play for the album, and I wanted the album off the wets. And at that point, I spoke with Chucho about this beautiful Cuban pianist and a dear friend and someone who I also felt that would be something really um, interesting, you know, to, to play music uh, with him because... Uh, you know, he, he the Latin rhythms, the, the we have that deep rooted into Latin jazz, you know, the feel and everything. So we got the date. And uh, Chucho and I also got together and did the duets. And I'll tell a little bit about the, the process, you know, how it happened with each one, if you're interested in knowing. I definitely am. <laughs> okay. So um, with uh, with Chick, because with, with, he was such an influence, uh, you know, early influenced my music. I transcribed things that he wrote, that he recorded, and um, it was very natural, you know, for me to play together with him. And you can hear on the recordings, you know, how the affinities just, you know, they show very, very immediately when we start playing. With Chick, uh, we texted each other, like, talk on the phone, like, what do you think we should play? What do you like? Do you like this, this? You know, we exchanged a few titles, agreed on the titles and on the key that we're going to play. And we made this date. It was at Yamaha Artist Service in New York City. Uh, the pianos were selected and they were you know, facing each other. We arrived and we hugged, you know, we were so excited, we jumped to play. And um, 
They didn't even count off tunes. Nothing was even talked about. Oh, that's just, amazing. Yeah, we just played. And, and really, what that is, is uh, like you could say, oh, so why was the preparation? It was no preparation. The preparation is a lifetime, you know, dedicated to this art form, to the art of improvisation, to listening, to responding to that, to, you know, speaking that language. So the videos and, that are on YouTube... It's literally just one take, and that's the same way you just did it. That's it. That's what you have on the album. That's how you have it. So it's really, I'm very, very, you know, proud of this work and, and so happy to be able to, you know, have those videos. I, I, I didn't realize that we had the videos, but uh, Yamaha records the, the things that are there. So when my, they gave it to me on a hard drive, you know, when we finished the recording, I didn't really notice until later on, you know, until... Like, you know, way later. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, wow, this is great, you know, to have. And so you can see the, the you know, the speed of light response that we had to each other, you know, yeah. when blue, we played. Blue Bossa, <laughs> I, I think I watched that four times the day you uh-huh. uploaded it. And it was just like one of those things that I was just like, ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's very special too. It was special to us too, you know. And then... With Chucho, Chucho Valdez, you know, I first met Chucho, we were playing in Barcelona and he was playing on the same theater a night before I would play. And uh, he was playing duets with his father, pianist Bebo Valdez. So they invited me to be their special guest on stage and placed me like, imagine that I'm put up like on a, on a, on a higher kind of a, area see you know sitting looking at them and looking at the audience so you know it was really special and and uh, after i heard the performance which was very heartfelt soulful you know i said hello to both and i told chucho back then i said oh i'm having that desire to play duets with you too and he uh was always really a. Uh, uh, into the music that I've done and, you know, and that I do and we stayed in touch. So the time came after I recorded with Chick, I, I asked him if he wanted to do and we found the right time. Got together once in Miami because I was performing in Miami and I went to his house. He lives there and I went to, um, you know, we had lunch and we talked and we told stories and then I brought a few charts. He liked, you know, the the tunes that uh, I proposed. He was quite surprised uh, about the tunes. How do you know these tunes? You know, some of them were like old Latin tunes and um, Mexican tunes. And then one was uh, Alejandro Sanz, much more recent uh, Alejandro Sanz hit. And I told him, I said, my mother is a Spanish Basque. You know, my grandfather was Basque. And she had this collection of music in a house, not only jazz, classical, but she also had Spanish songs. So I knew those tunes and uh, we chose them and together. And I had the, the, a chart, you know, just like chord changes and the chord changes. And, and just like all that we said was like, okay, who gonna, who's going to solo first? And that was basically what we did. And when the recording happened, it was in Brooklyn, in New York. Um, we had the two 
Steinway pianos. And uh, we just were so excited too. And we went in and played and you can hear how, you know, this this hybrid, you know, we, I mean, it was soulful, passionate, you know, it was a short, but very, with a lot of energy, our session was also of pretty much first takes, you know, I think it was, that's how it happened. And, and then we, um, you know, just uh, listened to back to it and said, wow, it's a nice hybrid, you know, thing happening, like um, between Brazilian and Cuban rhythms and the Latin jazz uh, uh, that we have, you know, that, that root that we both have too. I to say I personally love the album. I hope you win. No, <laughs> thank you. And, um, I hope so too. Uh, yeah, okay, you got a point there. <laughs> and one other thing I will say is that the amount of people that must be jealous of you that you got to do a solo recording with Chick Corea and Herbie Hancock. So. Oh yeah, right, right, right. We we talked about Herbie. Uh, well, Herbie. Um, it was the same thing, you know, I have a story about the duets I recorded with Herbie. <laughs> first of all, first of all, when back in the 80s, I was part of a band called Steps Ahead. Uh, and it was the first album, you know, they kind of introduced me into the, the jazz world. It was with um, Michael Brecker on saxophone, Mike Manieri on vibes and Eddie Gomez on bass and Peter Erskine on drums. And we were doing a lot of touring and, and was a particular summer with our touring was kind of almost like a double bill on many, many venues that would be us and would be VSOP. Um, VSOP, yes. <laughs> it was Herbie uh, Hancock with Tony Williams and Ron Carter. And it was, uh, I think it was Wayne and ready covered that was the man and so we're playing you know several venues together and we all had our dressing rooms you know separate dressing rooms for the band but herbie he really uh loved the way i played he would go sit sit in the theater he would sit on the first row right in front of the piano instead of hanging backstage he would be there listening you know and when my first album came out, he had this amazing quote, like amazing, like in interviews, people would ask him, so what's happening is that anyone knew? And he would speak about me and, and say things that were so touching, you know, like that, he, like I did a recording of a tune called Through the Fire. It was like a hit, a Chaka Khan. Yes. Chaka Khan. <laughs> oh man, I love that tune so much. It was so crazy that I made that at the time a 90 minute cassette, you know, those cassettes that we had in the 80s, mm -hmm. only off through the fire, both sides. Wow. Okay. Uh, okay. And then on reverse, I'll put it on reverse. And I was traveling, touring, doing stuff, on, you know, sitting in the bus with all the musicians, and I would put my headphones and I would be hearing through the fire for 90 minutes. You know, like I was obsessed, you know, that tune. So I recorded the tune and wrote a nice arrangement, you know, and had uh, Stanley Clark and Lenny White play on the tune. And Herbie comes out, you know, when the album album comes out, came out as a number one album, like immediately got a lot of attention and 
And Herbie was talking about this album and saying that when he heard that tune, that he would have to, like, if he was on the plane, he would actually hide his face from the pillow because he would cry, would get him so much, you know, get his, you know, would touch him in a way that he would, would bring him to tears, but deeply. So he had a, a, a uh, we we have a certain affinity for things, you know, for because when I wrote, you know, I know how deep I felt for the tune, you know. I was 25 years old, um, and he he felt it. So we always talked, and you know, when we're doing, like we did several things throughout the years, like concerts that he was a part of and I was a part of, like tributes to other artists and things. And when we had the chance, we would play for him. You know, on piano. But then eventually we recorded piano duet, and, and it was very different. Uh, musically, it was different than the direction that I went with Chick, the direction I went with, with Chucho. With Herbie, we had, we went free on most of the tunes, except one, one standard, which was uh, The Way You Look Tonight, which we had a, a nomination for Best Improvised Jazz Solo or best jazz solo performance, something like that. Uh, one of those categories, but uh, but we would not, we would go away from the structure of the tune, and and it was very magical. It was like we end up. He wanted to call the tunes messages, like if we're sending these mental messages to each other, like while we're playing. So it was really great, and um, and yeah. So I feel I don't know. Um, you said people. You use the word jealous, you know. Uh, I'm uh, jealous hearing the story. <laughs> <laughs> it's serious. And that song is Food of Fire. I love this song. We have Nathan East come on before. That's one of the many things I didn't get to ask him about, but. Oh, wow. Wow. Nathan's amazing. He, but <laughs> Isn't he? I know. I know. It's wonderful. So, you know, I I think... I, what I feel is like I'm I'm grateful, you know, and and I take my work with music really seriously. I mean, in in the place that it comes from, it comes from most pure, you know, source of love for the music, and that's what I feel. And so, if anyone is is uh, jealous of an achievement or an opportunity. I mean, that comes from, you know, those things come from the dedication that one has and the, you know, I mean, it's a calling too, you know. So, I don't know, I just hope everybody's happy <laughs> to see that the music is there and then we have those moments that we can share, you know, with the audience, with people. Like, that's what I'm so thrilled is that these things are recorded and they're out there for people that love music, people that, you know, like this art form and in the art of improvisation, this kind of great creative music, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, well, question I need to ask. So let's go to So Far, So Close, that album. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I know that album. That's surprising. It's <laughs> one of those albums my father has. Wow. And it's a smoother, it's like smooth jazz for at least the first half of it. It True. Is. I mean, it, it, it is. It, it remember, you don't remember, there was a radio station called CD 101. Yes. <laughs> and it's... I would, 
It's a, it was a like, shame <laughs> that it's not around because my favorite two albums of yours, which is Dance of Time and Made in Brazil, would have killed it on that station. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> so at least that album, uh, the jazz world back then, especially in like when you had that station in New York, New York doesn't have a jazz station. Our main station is actually broadcast in New Jersey. Right. Do you think that was like the high point of jazz? Well. I know a lot of people don't consider smooth jazz jazz. So not trying to start anything on that. Yeah, but there were a lot of good things that that, that station played. I mean, you know, um, there's, there's good music and... There is music that is mediocre. <laughs> there is music that is no good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, music, I mean, you know, if there's music that speak, that will speak to people. This can speak to a lot more people or less people. You know, it's, it's all like that. And that station was directed to, we had a particular groove. There, you know, some backbeat, uh, had some very hip stuff and had some... Uh, not so hip stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even even now, you know, any station you listen to, you're not gonna you personally will not like everything that you hear there, but they are there showing different things, different artists, different works. And what I think that happens with jazz is the freedom, you know, that we have to have, the freedom of of um you know musical speech. You know that creativity, and and things are a little harder these days. They're harder for 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 musicians in general, for for young jazz musicians, even for established musicians. First of all, it's been two years with this, yeah, you know, <laughs> pandemic that no one can go anywhere. I mean, it's been so so difficult, and and it's been affecting. I think you know whether people talk about it or not. But, you know. Okay, someone it's like affecting you, everyone. Someone like oh. you at your level, yeah. at your stat, you do shows all the time. How has that personally affected you? A lot. I mean, I, I was on the road almost 180 days a year. I love performing. I love being out there and playing music. You know, that's what I my favorite part of this whole thing is going out to play. You know, it's not recording. You know, it's it's really playing for for people. I love performing, and I couldn't do that for you know for almost two years. Actually, I stay over two years without performing, and that's very difficult because it's almost like you have to, you don't uh, your whole identity becomes uh, changed. I mean, it's like you're no longer that you know person. I mean, you are the person, but you're no longer engaging the things that you that are part of your life. And it's very difficult to to deal with that. It's difficult, you know, I'm sure that for musicians that is difficult emotionally, you know, it's difficult. It can be difficult financially because it doesn't matter whether the person has X amount of dollars or X amount of dollars, they're going to be living from what? From what they have, either they, the from their savings, either their from their savings, their friends, or yeah. from yeah, because life goes on and, and there are expenses, and and no one was expecting to not to boom, the brakes were put, you know, on for everybody. Oh, okay, no one works. It it, but it's 
It's just anxiety producing. It's it, and the concerns, the health concerns, and the, the world concerns, and people, and the exchange with other human beings. So it's a difficult time. You know, it's it's been very very strange time. I mean, I use the time positively in a certain way. I can say because you know I continue my relationship with with music is a, my relationship with the piano, and 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 that continues. And I continued, you know, you know, I released an album during the pandemic and I have more material that more things are going to be released. I'm ready with more. So I continued creating music, but I didn't go out to perform, you know, yeah. which is so, so difficult. And the thing about it that really hurts me, and I said this numerous times, it's like more and more of these performance halls, not just jazz ones, are closing because they can't make the overhead. <laughs> all kinds of places are closing. I mean, you know, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, you know, but you go, but you look Broadway. Look what's happening in broad on Broadway. They can't, you know. Well, Broadway is another disaster on that because they let them perform, then they shut them down again, and then it's yeah. Yes, how many people they're employed? How many? How many artists that are not being able to do that? I mean, for I, I think the artists. Uh, were he like the most with this, you know, because I see a lot of other people working from home, you know, they do, you know, other types of jobs, but but it's very, very hard. And the artists are, are sacrificed this way, you know, it's difficult, but you see so many things, you see restaurants closed down, I see things that I like, certain boutiques, certain, you know, everyone is going through this. And uh, we're hoping that we are at the end of the cycle, that things are going to, I think we're seeing a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel here, that things are going to get better. I myself, you know, have um, rescheduled work and uh, and I intend to to start in less than a, it's less than a month, you know, and, uh, and and start working again. I mean, hopefully, I do want to see more performances. I would like to see the festivals open up again. Yes, yes, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's tough. It's tough time. It's a tough time. And next question for you, ma'am. Oh, by the way, so far so close was my favorite song on that album. Oh, thank you. So, thank you. I, as everyone knows, I have a smooth jazz. I kind of love it in a way, even though people hate to hear that. That's a good one, though. Uh, so one Thank question you. is, so you recorded a lot of my favorite Bossa Nova songs. That grew mm-hmm. to be your thing. But I just want to know, how did you end up singing it? Because the first album that at least I hear that you did record, it was just instrumental. And then you like we recorded all those songs with you singing them. Yeah, well, uh, as a solo artist, my albums started out um, instrumental. But the very first recording I made was um, a recording with Randy Bracker, who was my husband and amazing jazz trumpeter. And we recorded an album called Amanda, which is the name of my daughter, our daughter. And we, uh, I sang a lot on that album. Uh, but that was, you know, before I even came, came out with my first album, which was called uh, Illusions. Um, 
And then I wanted to, always wanted to play and didn't want to, didn't really want to sing anything except using the voice as an instrument, like a, either background vocal or or some kind of um, vocalese, you know, mm-hmm. as an instrument. And, and, but it happened that because I sang a couple tunes live and I was heard like that, I was asked at a certain point to to record singing. And and uh, and when I did, you know, people enjoyed so much and, and the albums would see different um it would be they would be received, you know, with a wider uh, audience and everything. So I started doing more and more. Um uh, and today I could not really imagine doing like an entire show, entire concert without uh, doing both, you know, without singing, without singing and playing. Like when I was doing, a, you know, Chikoria's Academy last, in October, a few months before, he, October of 2020, right? Some months before he passed away. Mm-hmm. He he said that to him that, that he felt uh, very incomplete. He's, he said that for him, an artist was only really complete if he could sing and play. And he said, you know, there were five, you know, he brought a few people like myself, George Benson or Chad Baker, you know, just a few artists that he felt that could do that. And that he admired and he had that frustration that he wished he could do it. And I can tell you because I've, I have worked as an instrumentalist, as a pianist, but once I put the voice in there too, you know, the, the voice is such an instrument, the way of touching, the human voice touches people in a different way. And, and um, you know, it opened up not only musically, like for me, but also the, the the repertoire that I could bring, the tunes that I could bring. There are some songs that I would not really consider recording or performing as an instrumental song, but with the vocal is a whole different thing. So it opened like the spectrum, it's even wider, you know? Uh, and I love doing both. So that's what I'm doing. I mean, Mirror Mirror is an exception. It's a whole piano, you know, instrumental album, which I am yeah. so happy to have that because, you know, the piano is my great love and, and it's my instrument, but I still enjoy, you know, so much doing both, you know, singing and, and playing. Okay, well, so was it the harmonizing? Because I believe it was A Love Story, that album, where you were oh. mainly much doing the background yes. vocals yes, yourself. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, a long story. A long no, story. I'm sorry. A long story. I got that wrong. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but from no, that you, album- you, yeah, from a long story. That album is is all original music. Everything was written, and there are a lot of a lot of vocals. Yeah, I sing a, a lot on that album. Uh, again, you know, using the voice. Uh, it wasn't lyrics. You know, it was like an instrument, and it was yeah. That's that's a special album. I mean. Of the Dance of Time, that's my favorite one, which is sad <laughs> that I butchered the title of it. And Aww. another thing I need to know, since with this on the instrumentals, the backgrounds, who does the arrangements? Because uh, your arrangements are just... I, I do. Oh. 
Okay, I got to give Juilliard respect here and you respect on that. Okay. <laughs> as yeah, much as I, I make write, fun I of them. <laughs> wait, wait. Give who? I make fun of Juilliard. And no, it has nothing to do with Juilliard. Oh, thank nothing. you. <laughs> nothing. No, 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 no. No, Juilliard is, it was for, for classical, for, for sound production, for classical training, for, you know, uh, having the tools to execute things that I want to execute on the piano. No, nothing to do with harmony, with with the arranging or anything like that. No, no. So, so it's a whole different animal. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and do you single-handedly choose who you choose to sing backups for you? At least on the albums. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because some yes, of them yes. are just amazing the understatement. I got to give you credit on that also. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Now, orchestral arrangements. Uh, a Dance of Time doesn't have orchestra. doesn't have strings. But um, some of four or five, I think five of my albums do have strings. And they're recorded at Abbey Road in, in England, right? Mm-hmm. The Abbey Road studio. And... Um, the, those arrangements were not written by me. The string arrangements, you know, there's an arranger called Rob Mathis who writes beautifully. So we, you know, I record all the all the tracks first, and then we go over, and he um, works with the the strings. But that's different than what you ask. No, regardless, I like to hear that. Like I said, that's impressive. When you want to go into the orchestration of stuff, uh, Made in Brazil. That's also great with your whole background stuff and everything. Love stories. Same thing. (laughs) Yes, yes. So I write all the arrangements. Uh, You know, the band records. I sing and we do the whole thing. And then when that's all ready, then I'll give to an orchestrator to put the strings and we'll decide, you know, we'll talk, you know, he based some things on, I mean, it's based on what's existing already arranged, which is what I create first. What are the problems you have when you're putting these albums together, especially someone like you who has so many albums? Um, it's not, I wouldn't call like a problem, you know, but I, but it's what is a, is a decision making, like, you know, because I produce them too. You know, I, I, I play, I sing, I, I, I arrange, I produce. So these are my babies. You get the whole Eliani on my albums, you know, it's all, all me. And I, I did mention to you that singing, you know, has opened up a world of other music that I would otherwise do instrumentally. So I, the first thing starts when, what do I want to do like what I'm feeling to do for an album, you know. And so, if it's an instrumental, if it's a vocal, and then um, if I want to do what, <laughs> you know. So that's the question: what What music do I want to record? And then I start. But they 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 have been very. Um, I mean, they seem to have a life of their own. Like, for example, made in Brazil. You know, I was in Brazil. It was the first time I recorded in Brazil after living in the United States for so many years. And, and it happened just very naturally, just being in the environment there and listening to the sound of my 
you know, my Portuguese and the language that I grew up with and being warm weather, you know, the whole thing was just very natural and inspiring. And I wrote the whole album when I was there and I recorded it. Well, I just love the fact that you did my favorite song. Oh, okay. One of my favorite. Which one is that? Brazil, unfortunately. Why unfortunately? Because I wish you got Miss Gala to sing on it. Oh, that's the Wait, only who? thing I would change. Because well, what would you want to do? Uh, I heard one for once upon a time on YouTube before YouTube started mass wiping out a lot of the stuff over there. Uh huh. They had uh, there was this. Uh, I believe her name is Gala Costa. Oh, Gal Costa. Yes. Okay, Gal Costa. I'm sorry. She did a Gal- version. You loved I it. Loved it. So the fact that you started with that when it came out, I was just like, this is going to be great. It's one of those albums where, yeah, I'm not moving. I'm just going to listen to it right here. (laughs) You know, Gal Costa, um, she she was such an important uh, voice, you know, for Brazilian music. Very, very... I I worked, you know, I, I did some concerts where she... She was singing and we did something together. She is a, a, she was a great singer. She, I don't, I don't believe she's, I haven't heard of her working. Um, I don't think she's active um, anymore. Okay. But, uh, but she sure was, you know, she's, I think, approaching 80 and uh, 80 years old. And, and she has a, a very powerful voice. And her voice is very high, goes very high, you know? So, although I always liked what, what she sings, she's a real singer. Yes, you know? she is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I consider myself, I never thought of myself as a singer like that, you know, like somebody who goes in front of the band and, ah, you know, and belt it out. I'm not like that. My voice has a softer sound. My range is smaller. Uh, you know, I choose songs that work well for, for me that way, you know, with the range that I have. But believe me, when I have to do an arrangement, um, you know, and I write for my voice, what works then is my voice on it. You know, like it wouldn't be the same uh, if I have somebody else. So it's a one thing on the package, you know, but I still like, you know, the, the influences that I had. And she was one of them. She was one of your influences? Okay. Yeah, yeah. When I lived in Brazil, I loved her recordings. Yeah. Very, very much. I have a really good friend who's a veterinarian, okay? He wanted me to ask you, Hmm. who are your favorite Brazilian composers and who musically today and 30 years ago? Well, that's to, to, you know, I don't live in Brazil. You know, I live here. For many years. So I don't know, you know, Brazil is suffering the same problem that the world is suffering. You know, the opportunity for some of the young people or anything. But my influences were all of those that were, uh, you know, like the Tropicalia movement with Gilberto Gil, with Caetano Veloso, Gal Costa. um, Of course, the music of Jobim, um, the whole Bossa Nova movement, João Gilberto, uh, Ivan Lins. Uh, all, Javan, all of these people had, um, you know, a, 
real um, importance, you know, in my musical life. By the way, tell your friend veterinarian that my brother is an incredible surgeon, orthopedic surgeon, veterinary. Oh, he would love that. <laughs> Yeah. He also says he's like your biggest fan, so. <laughs> there you go. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so another question I need to ask you, ma'am. The state of the music world right now, since we, you brought it up, where do you think jazz will be in 10 years or 20 years? Because I see it getting smaller and smaller and smaller, unfortunately. I think that will always be some jazz. There will always be people that are interested in creative music and creating something. The one thing that I have to say is that it's things are changing in jazz. They're changing. And a lot of the, the uh, young players may not be looking at the tradition where it comes from. So it's changing, it's evolving. But I think we'll always be an interest in having creative music. Uh, when I say jazz, I don't say jazz just like, okay, straight ahead. Um, feel, but the I talk about improvisation, about uh, the interaction, you know, that happens in, in people writing music, uh, you know. Do you think the, the festivals, spirit. do you think the festivals will be anywhere near as big as they were in the late 90s? They're already not. They are already not. They are already bringing uh, acts that you wouldn't really call uh, jazz. It is a certain festival, without me saying it, that has a rapper headlining it. Right. So, so you know, this is what's happening because they're trying to get more people. And I guess this particular artist, you know, draws more people than another jazz artist. So what comes first, you know? What comes first? Because if there's no one promoting this music... Uh, I mean, everyone, everyone, what I see, it's kind of incredible. Every person, every artist seems to be, um, you know, everyone is, they're promoting themselves. They're going to Instagram, they're going to Facebook, they go and, you know, everybody's trying to say, hey, hello, I'm here, hi, hi, I'm here, hi. You know, it's, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's incredible, you know, how it, how it is happening. But uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see if things, uh, you know, what we need is uh, talent, you know, talent talented artists that are creating this music to give continuity to it. That I agree with you on, 100%. Yeah. But actually, just I should ask that part. Uh, which musicians today, at least in America, stand out to you? You know, I, I, I don't like to go there. Okay, that's fair. We won't go there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so... What do you think they could do to promote it more, the music? Well, you know, the, things are difficult now because do you know that even years ago, you couldn't get a CD player in a new car, you know? So the, you don't have CDs. Radio is becoming, uh, you know, you're in the hands of a DJ and what, what they want to play. Uh, so to promote music, you know, and to continue this music, we need to have space, space for people to come out, to perform, to bring the music, you know, and and um, and we, I think everything suffered even more for this last two years with the pandemic uh, because, you know, spaces didn't survive, places are struggling. And then the artists that are 
sometimes ready to go in and, and, and perform now. Maybe are the artists, they're not like the mm, super established ones, you know, because things are not right or fees are not right. They can't yet. So, so the quality maybe of the music that they're bringing in some of these places is just doesn't represent the best of, of the music yet, you know? Oh God. Oh. I have to, to, I'm getting a call. Can you, can you hang in there, yep, Leander, please? Again. Please, Penny. Oi. Leander? Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. I think my time is, is I, I, I might have to, to go. Okay. Uh, we'll just wrap it up from here and then whenever you wish to come back on. So, ma'am, I understand you have to go. Something came up. So, could you tell the people? Where to find you? How to reach you, etc. Yes. Well, um, uh, first of all, it was really nice talking to you, Leander, and touching this several topics and things we talked about. Um, I'm Eliani Elias. You can find me on Eliani Elias Music on Facebook. You can find me on Eliani Elias Official on Instagram. Uh, you can go to my website, www.ilianielias. If you don't know how to spell my name, it's E-L-I-A-N-E-E-L-I-A-S. And you can find in these places, you know, my future dates and information about what I'll be doing and, and other things. So I hope you can. Um, oh, and I have a, a new YouTube channel that just... Uh, started i think it's eliani elias official on youtube and where i'll be placing i have been placing different things and videos and some of newer mirrors there um and that's it well ma'am thank you i will try to continue this another day i understand you have to go it means a lot and everyone this is leander from improv exchange thank you have a good one bye-bye thank you thank you leander That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange. <laughs>